You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Good to be back, fellas. David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. And Jordan Spoon, our special guest. Glad to be on here with you guys tonight. All right. Thank you. On today's show, we'll be welcoming Gridfinder Paint Festival winner Jordan Spoon to the show. We'll take one more trip to Mount Washington and review some more iRacing special events and have lots of new hardware to check out. And remember, guys, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So hope to see you there. Gridfinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. Gridfinder.com Glad to be on here and glad uh, glad you invited me. Well, let's talk about the invitation. It was all part of our Gridfinder Paint Festival. Um, tell us about uh, the paint you did specifically that won the contest. So I was scrolling through one of the Facebook league groups that I'm in, and they, one of the guys in there had posted it. And there's a handful of guys that paint in there. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And I went and looked at the logo and did some research on grid finder and saw you know they kind of liked the geometric edgy design that was pretty common within their pretty common theme in their logos and some of the other stuff i'd seen by them so i just rolled with it and i enjoy painting on the next gen car it, it has some good surfaces some good flat surfaces to paint on and really put some design and that kind of edgy geometric shape really works on that car so i was like you know what? let's give it a shot let's see what i can come up with and i'd turn something out and i was pretty happy with it i sent a couple of my buddies that I always get input from and they were like you got to send that in it, it's simple but it really drives home like the logo so that's kind of how i came up with it yeah it did um i think we were talking about how the apron looks with the black and then around the, the wheel wells it all tied together in kind of a blocky fashion but yeah i think the car choice was key wasn't it yeah the car choice was huge and I've done a few paints on the next gen and it, it's always hit or miss. You, if you get something with kind of that blockier design, it really just, and if you nail it, you know, you've nailed it. Cause you just sit back and look at it and you're like, yep, that works with that car shape. All right. So we know, you know how to paint, but let's go back to the beginning. When did you hear first, first hear the word eye racing. And then what did you do about it? So my first account, which I lost, was actually from 2008. 
So I was a pretty early adopter in iRacing. Um, I found it pretty early on through a, a really good friend at the time. He had heard about it from one of his buddies, and I had always kind of been into computer gaming, and I loved racing. So I tried it for a little while. I don't even think I really got to run that many races because I was on an older computer, and I honestly may have been trying to figure out how to use a controller at that point. So stepped away from it for a little while, and I came back in 2010. And when I came back in 2010, that was when I really kind of got into it. And that point was when I started transitioning to really racing and really trying to figure it out. So I would say my real iRacing career, you know, time driving started in 2010. So, you know, you're almost 11 years now because I think it was November of 2010. So it's I've been around for a while now. I've, I've seen the evolution of iRacing from what it was to what it is and all the new content added, all the new content that's been, you know, retired and new stuff brought in. So I've been around for a little while. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, your second account goes back 10 years and I did find your first account and it's still sitting there, but, uh, that's, that's, that's really cool. So tell us what you're racing today in 2021. Like what series do you normally run? So mostly I do oval. Uh, that's, I enjoy that a little bit more. That's kind of what the friend group that I run with on here, that's what they're into. Uh, I've got a good buddy. We're actually getting ready to do a four-hour charity road race at Watkins Glen. So we're we're going to try something a little bit different, step out of our comfort zone a little bit, but I'm mostly an oval guy. I was into the short track stuff last year, but I just haven't had as much time to really dive in and practice that as much. Uh, I've been a little more on kind of the the NASCAR series, your ABC series, as you could call it. And and that's kind of where my focus has been here lately, running that stuff. Okay, very good. Uh, Yeah, I see last 10 races on your profile are mostly ABC and fixed. Uh, Your winning percentage oval, 5.8%. That's actually really good. And uh, road is 9.0%. And dirt oval, double digits there. So you like the dirt? It was funny. When the when the new big block modifieds came out, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna give them a shot. And, and pretty quickly, I was like, I've got a decent feel for these, and I think that's probably where the bulk of my wins came from in dirt oval. So they're just a fun car to drive. They drive really well, so it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to beat them. And you know, I'm not gonna say I go out and win a lot, but I think my top five percentage on ovals somewhere around 35, 40%. I'm just kind of eyeballing it because I looked at it the other day. So I would say I'm, I'm okay. I can run with most people and I can get in there and keep up and, you know, have some pretty good races and, and run with some people that are probably a little bit better than I am, but I can at least keep up. Now I don't own that car, but I think I read somewhere somebody said, if you had one dirt car to run, that's the car to own. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. It, it's it I'm not going to say it's easy to drive, but but it does kind of what you expect it to and it's not like, you know, the sprint cars they're they're just a handful and as that track starts to slick up, they're they can be a lot to handle. I never really could get a feel on the late models, but I hadn't drove them as much. So, you know, it, I kind of want to get back into doing everything, but it's like if I do one thing, then I lose out on something else. So it's always this balancing act for me on iRacing. Okay, let's shift gears, talk hardware. What do you have for like wheels and pedals and monitors and that kind of thing? I am currently, and I upgraded right out a year ago, I upgraded to the Sim Experience AccuForce V2. 
And I had been on some older stuff. And last year, I think like everybody else, when COVID hit, I was sitting around the house a whole lot more. I said, you know what? I'm going to start upgrading this stuff because I up until last year, I was on my original setup that I basically built myself and bought in 2010 when I started. So, you know, nothing was wrong with it, but I was financially in a position and I was driving a lot more. I said, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this and uh, is downtime and actually start upgrading. So uh, AccuForce V2 wheel, I'm on the stock rim right now. Uh, I do have one of the Gomez Sim Industry FPE Ooh. wheels ordered. Uh, it actually should be here in about two to three weeks. So I am. How much like, does that cost? That one was. I want to say I added the the dual clutch paddles on the back, and I got it with the screen, which is the FPE version. I want to say it was about fourteen hundred. It was Ooh. not cheap. It was not cheap. But I've been eyeballing one since pretty much when I bought the AccuForce. So I said, you know what? I'm jumping on it. So I, I, I digress. Uh, that wheel, uh, man, it, that's the guy who did like the Tony Kanon special. Yes. And he does yep. all these special colors and you can do, you know, customs. And yep. man, I just love that wheel. And we're, I just we're going to be looking day. at one of those today. You can get them from, Sorry. you can go to Gomez Sim Industries. And I ordered it straight from him. He hand builds them. And he actually, one of the coolest things, and this is what really drew me in, is he builds them on stream. So you can go to his Twitch channel. And during the day, he'll be sitting there putting them together and interacting with people. And it's it's amazing. You see this wheel and you think it's going to be so complicated. And then you watch him put it together and you're like, there's a lot of brains behind it and a lot of technology that brings together to make it. But it's amazing how simple it is and they're they're phenomenal i've heard nothing but good things and his customer service and dealing with him leading up to you know i hadn't got it yet but leading up to it showing up has been amazing so if the product's as good as that i'm i'm going to be extremely happy what are you saying brian i would say we're going to be looking at one of those gomez wheels later in the show today yeah, yeah, they're 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 phenomenal, and I I even just saw the other day that I think IndyCar driver Alex Polo is running one now with his sim stuff. So I mean, the guy's obviously he's he's making something that people want, which is really cool. Right, if you got the IndyCar drivers all yeah. buying it, you know <laughs> yeah. that says something. You're doing something right. All right, well the the AccuForce V2 you didn't go wrong there either. Uh, our teammate Chris Scales just bought one of those too. Yeah, it's been a it's been an extremely reliable wheel. I've had no issues. the The Sim Commander software at first that you have to run with it is it's not confusing, but it's it can be a little bit challenging. But once you figure that out and figure out the cloud tune, it it is spot on. I've had no complaints, and I ended up after I got one, one of my buddies got one, and I, I think a few people have bought them. So great wheels. Yeah, I think Chris said that he likes the software because it provides an upgrade path for other products. Yep. You know, the sim vibe and the chair and whatnot. Yeah, and all that will tie in together if you want it. So it, it, there's there's definitely perks to going that route with AccuForce. Okay, what about monitors or VR? So when I was doing upgrade last year, I switched to triples. I was on a single, I think it was a 40-inch Samsung TV, and I switched over to Asus uh, 1440 triples, 32 inch. I was back and forth between 27 and 32. And after getting the 32s, I'm really glad I, I went that route. You don't feel like they're just a tad big or no, they're, they're, they are absolutely perfect. So when you're sitting in my SIM, they come perfectly up to the edge of your vision. So you're, 
what you can see is basically fully wrapped and if i had a smaller space i couldn't do 32s but i'm pretty fortunate that this bonus room that my sim sits in has a cubby hole that is about six feet wide and the monitors are about five feet ten inches so i mean they fit absolutely perfect is there any um concern about flat versus curved when you pick these I really just went with what I actually found on sale, which I went curved. Um, but I I was back and forth on both. I think I could have went either way and been happy. I will say the curve, once I got everything lined up perfectly, it does have a pretty nice shape to it. But I don't I don't think you would notice much difference in curved or flat. Uh, but that's just me. Okay. Well, uh, what about like a third-party software, you know, while you're racing? What else do you have running besides iRacing? Uh, I am a huge fan of CAPS. CAPS has been a lifesaver with fuel strategy and stuff. And then after CAPS, I ended up finding Crew Chief about a month later. So Crew Chief and CAPS are about my two main things that I run. And they have been extremely helpful in especially some of the longer races and being able to, you know, look at fuel mileage or I guess, you know, how much fuel you're burning per lap and do some quick calculations. And, you know, I always generally I have a live spotter and one of my buddies will kind of alternate sometimes. So having that was is always helpful because I can feed him some of that data if we don't want to use crew chief and we can kind of do our own our own math to figure out some fuel strategy. Okay, very good. What about uh, are you part of a team at all? So right around the time that I did the Gridfinder paint, uh, McConey Setup Shop was looking to start a paint shop. And it was just crazy, the coincidental timing, because it all happened literally within the same day that I did the paint. I started painting for McConey, so I guess you could kind of say I'm on his team now. Where I'm running all their stuff, and, and that was one of the teams that my buddy was on anyway. So I've kind of gotten pulled into that, which has been cool, because... Really, it was just me and a couple friends kind of running solo. So I'm working with and, and helping with McConey Setup Shop and doing their paint stuff. So that's really, I'd say that's the main team that I'm a part of now. That's nice. I mean, it, it's good to have access to good setups. Uh, and uh, it's fun to be racing around other people. Yep. What about league stuff? Do you do any leagues or is it just official or what? Right now, it's just been official. I, I've kind of had a schedule that's been all over the place. So I didn't want to... I didn't want to be one of these people that commits to a league and and then you know you get into it and I can run two races, then I'm not there for three weeks and then I'm back for a week. I didn't want to be one of those people just kind of taking up a spot for somebody or you know taking a number that somebody wanted. So mostly here lately it's been official, but once my schedule slows back down and through the winter, I'd I'd like to get back into some sort of league, even if it's even if it's a road racing league, uh, I'd like to kind of get back into something. Okay. And um, our last iRacing qu question here, what has been your most memorable iRacing moment so far? I would have to say it was an event that I got to help set up and participate in back at the beginning of August. So one of my really good friends that I've grown up with forever actually works for Richard Childress Racing and basically does all of their digital content. And he is sort of in charge of their esports program and he came to me and another good friend and asked us if we wanted to help him put on a race under the ERCR banner. So basically the RCR esports banner. And we said, absolutely. 
So behind the scenes, I got to work with him and my buddy, and we ended up bringing Jeff McConey in, which this kind of started the me getting in with the McConey stuff. We ended up bringing Jeff in. Jeff tied us in with Podium. We ended up helping set this whole race up. And, you know, it, the night that it happened, it was like the coolest thing ever because we had we had some of the Coke Series guys. We had Road to Pro guys in there. Uh, we had just some of your guys in iRacing that are just really well-known short track guys, NASCAR guys. And we had it streamed on Podium. And it was just really cool to basically be on the back end of this, see all this work go down. And then next thing you know, you're, it, it was over, but it was really cool because I got to run an official car for ERCR. Both of my buddies did too. So it was, it was just really neat to see the, the broad spectrum of everything that happened. And then it comes together and it's like this perfect event. Yeah. You also had the famous Greg Hectus from the iRacers on <laughs> podcast. I think you finished what eighth, Greg. Yeah, I was uh, running with the ERCR guys there yeah. in that race. Yeah, and I, it was just so cool because Justin Wapham was the one that put it all together, and, and he came up with the idea, and he presented it to his people. They said, let's do it, and he came back to – it was me, Derek Rice, and Justin Wapham were like the three guys that kind of really started all at first. And Derek has been working with Jeff McConey for a while, and he went to Jeff and was like, hey, we need your help. So Jeff's guys did the setup. He got us hooked up with podium. And it's just all of a sudden, you know, this event was happening. And it was so cool because I mean, I think we announced it on Tuesday and we yeah, raced that Sunday night and we filled it up. I mean, I think we had we had 40 people and we just we never saw that happening. Uh, but it was so cool to see. And it was such a big moment for Justin. And it really kickstarted some stuff with them and looking at that ERCR thing. But the coolest thing for me was, you know, definitely getting to run like an official RCR car, even though it was ERCR, but I actually got to run the number three. So it was really cool to do that. That is a little surreal, huh? And it was, you know, it's virtual, but I got to take screenshots with my name above the door. And it, it was just, it was really cool to, to do that. I got to paint all of our cars and it, it was just, it was a pretty neat experience. I was going to say, it's cool that, that it was done at the Twin, uh, Twin Rig Mategi track too, right? That, yeah. That was, it was, it was an odd event, but it's such a great track that those cars seem to run really well there. Well, and that was, when Justin started talking about it, it was, he wanted to do something for their Olympic break because that was when NBC was do, doing all the Olympic coverage, so NASCAR took that break. And so he wanted to do something that kind of, highlighted being in japan and do something a little bit different so that was really where that idea came from and and i give him credit he picked it and we tested a little bit and we could never find a setup which was the main reason that we went to jeff because we were like hey we need help like we're we're trying las vegas setups we're trying darlington setups and we tried everything and jeff came in helped us and we ended up finding setups and i will say that was the most practice i've ever put into one event i mean i'm not gonna lie i probably ran seven eight hundred laps because i knew i wanted to show well for justin i wanted to i wanted to make ercr look good i wanted to make the event go well but i give everybody credit it was clean racing it was hard racing i mean i remember looking in the mirror a few times and i had garrett mains you know in my rearview mirror and i'm like this is a coke series guy i mean and he i mean he ended up passing me but still i held him off for a few laps and, and i attributed it to the practice but it was so cool just to see everything that happened with that event all right. Well, that was a neat event. I enjoyed watching it um, while I'm cheering on Greg. 
uh, I thought he was in a good position there to finish, but man, all those late cautions just killed him. Yeah, th but, those late cautions were brutal for all of us, man. That was I was struggling on restarts into turn one because the car just wanted to wash up so bad, and and I was like every time. I mean, I knew I could have had a top two or three, and I was right there with them, but that last restart just threw me off. Yeah, the arrow push at that track, such as because it's such a flat sweeping yeah. turn, it just doesn't hook. And yep. if you miss that turn on the exit, you're screwed. Yeah, that that turn, and you had to you had to hit that bump coming out of kind of in that transition from one to two. You had to hit the bump down at the white line, but if you hit it wrong, it just threw you out to the wall, and you were totally screwed up for you know the straightaway and three and four. It's funny that you said about trying to find a setup that worked. It, nothing would work to translate to that track, but I've taken that setup and gone. Uh, I've tried it at Michigan and I tried it at Pocono, and it it did have some speed if there was a little bit more tuning on it. So it's yeah. kind of those kind of tracks similar to that type of surface. That's interesting. Well, Jordan Spoon, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and, and taking your time to paint that grid finders and iRacers Lounge paint. It looked great. And, uh, you know, you, I hope you enjoy the glove. We're going to get you some gloves and 50 bucks and iRacing credits. And, uh, hey, thanks for coming on the show. Well, I appreciate it. And, I, you know, I'm, I was glad I found the contest and was able to put in for it. And, and thanks for inviting me on. It was fun to get on here and chat a little bit. Yeah, and if you guys you know put on events like that, you let me know. We'll we'll make sure to get it on the show, and and we'll get that room filled quick. Yeah, we're uh, we're hoping. Obviously, RCR is in the midst of a playoff battle between their two guys. So Justin is quite busy. So we hadn't got to planning anything else. But I'm sure once the once the off season rolls around, I think we'll have some time to uh, maybe get something else in the works. Because I know. Justin was extremely happy with what went, and you know we'll we'll definitely have another event planned soon. All right, we'll see you on the track. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. So I uh, I hear there's this mountain that came out, Mike. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Is this week three of the mountain? I lost track. They're going to turn uh, it into an entire season of just this just this uh, regular track, segment right? on the yeah. show. Well, this one's a little different. This one's worth it. This is good stuff coming. This is really good stuff. This is uh, I, I racing put up a, a short video. Anthony Alfredo, Cup Series driver, racing uh, Jimmy Mullis and Logan Sheets downhill at the mountain in the Formula V as a soapbox derby, and uh, laughter ensues. It's pretty uh, entertaining. This, this right here would, sorry, Greg, this would be like the only reason why I think I would buy this track is just to do this, which it, it is just the coolest thing. You guys were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and I was, <laughs> I started salivating right away. This is fun. So feature, this would have, feature request, sorry, David. Yeah, a feature request would be an actual soapbox to go down the hill. Well, it's, so this would be, obviously, they were hosting a room. That's the only way to do it, right? They would have just had to been yeah. You have to host hosting, and then what you do is you all start in the same spot, and so you would just pull one car forward of you know five feet. The other person would pull to the right five feet, and then you would all three be there, and you just go. Initially, you kind of ghost through each other, but once you get on the track, you know you're solid. That's awesome. It it looks so fun. So the next. Uh... Is there another week off between now and the end of the season? 
Uh, I think they're going straight through, Tony. Yeah. I think that was it. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, the first week that there's not like an NIS race, this needs to be like the, the iRacers Lounge, you know, soapbox derby. Love it. Great idea. And uh, the trick will be to try to line everybody up at the top of the mountain. Yeah, realistically, how many cars do you think you could fit up there? It's tight. I mean, when these three, look at the beginning of the video, when the three start, I mean, one guy had to be behind the other two. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you, you're going to have a good spread. Like, you know, you're going to have guys like at top speed and then other guys like not even going yet. It's, it's going to make things really, really interesting. It's almost like a different form of racing that, you know, obviously exists, but hasn't existed in iRacing. So it's definitely new um, because you don't use the throttle. You literally keep your foot off the throttle and you only use the brake only. And so all your momentum is gravity based. Could you use a handbrake in that? Would it work the same as your foot pedal brake or would it be different? I don't know. Now I have yet to go down it. I've been still trying to master go upping, going up it. And uh, I did increase my time. I went initially at a 557, I went to a 550, and then I got a 543 this week. And then I kind of stepped away from the mountain for a while. Now, Anthony Alfredo put up a second video that showed uh, him going up uh, in the Subaru, and he did a 524. Impressive. Yeah, What's you can you could tell he was right on the edge going up that hill on that run. It was it was pretty impressive. He was getting one one offs and one X's too, Brian. Uh, you could tell yes. there were a couple times that you know he he was a little sloppy, but. I mean, he was, like you said, just straight line in some of these S's and stuff. Yeah, I noticed that a bunch of times he was, he was, uh, you know, sideways. His car, his car was leaning pretty hard when he was on the side of a hill. But if you want to learn a, how to do a fast lap, this is a absolute valuable, uh, very valuable uh, video to watch. Just to kind of learn the line and look, you know, learn what gear to be in. You know, that kind of thing. I, one thing I noticed watching it is he keeps his revs up higher more so than I do and maybe in a lower gear than I do in some cases. Maybe that's my problem. Another thing I thought was kind of funny was at the very top of the mountain, right right at the, the flagger, you know, he just blows that last corner, just runs off into the, uh, into the gravel. As long as he went and, across the line, right? Yeah, as long as you're straight going across the line. But I think you probably, he probably cut you know, at least a couple tenths of a second just by not worrying about that. Where in real life, you know, you're going to make sure you make that turn, you don't kill yourself or nothing. But I thought that was pretty interesting too. How cool is it that, you know, we have a current cup driver that's, you know, probably busy as can be flying all over the country and, but he still finds time to do this. He seems to be busy. He, he seems to do a lot of streaming Monday nights because it always pops up in Monday nights is where he does all his stuff. And he's built a community. Uh, they call it the Sauce Pit. Uh, very active on Discord. Uh, th he throws up quite a few videos too. So he's he's maintaining that as I guess a part of his marketing is is keeping that streaming presence going. I like it. Well, we can coast down it. What about walking it? Yeah. So um, we Mike found this uh, website called irtrackwalk.com. So and it's. It's if if you guys are familiar with like Google um, Street View, where you're uh, where it puts your camera, you know, in the middle of a street, and then you can click to go to the next step. But 
at each stage, you can zoom in, zoom out, turn, turn left and right, look up and down. Well, well, they they did that with Mount Washington. So it starts at the bottom of the hill, you know, and uh, it's it's a frozen freeze frame basically of the of the hill. You can look around with your mouse, look up, down, and stuff like that, and then you just click to the next advanced point and you move forward, you know, a hundred feet or whatever it winds up being, and you can do that all the way up the mountain where you're just going step by step. And like I said, it's just like a Google street view where you can, at each step of the way, you can pause, you you can look around, you can uh, zoom and, and, and just really check out the view. Um, it would be, a, if you really want to learn this track, you know, step by step, you can see each individual turn as you go and really see the surroundings. You can see the hazards, the rocks, the trees and everything. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't see a better way to learn this thing, other than uh, other than driving it a thousand times. You know, where you can actually get a good view of what you're driving through. Yeah, we've talked about irtrackwalk.com before, and uh, yeah, I was, this is an interesting one, and it works on an iPhone too or uh, your cell phone. And uh, there is even a feature where you can push a button and. Like then you take and spin in a circle, physically spin, and the the camera will spin with you. Um, it does, it's some pretty cool features. Well, it, it looks like it offers a, a VR too, right? Like you can go in your own headset because as soon as I clicked it in, it turned my headset on. Yeah, yeah, it's got a VR version. Um, now, if you go to their website, I see Mount Washington, I see Red Bull Ring, Monza. Silverstone, Donington Park, Lime Rock, Brands Hatch, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Circuit Park, Zandvoort, Cataluna, Road Atlanta, Watkins Glen, Lamar, Nürburgring, Laguna Seca, and on and on and on. It's actually a quite an interesting idea. It's something that you think it would be something that uh, even if iRacing, when they put in their in that briefing part, and when you click on a track and do it, it's something that would be offered in conjunction with iRacing so that they could, you know, you get a tour, you go around the track uh, when you're in that briefing screen and before you actually log into the track. All right, I'm going to pick up this next one. We're talking endurance racing. And we've, I think we see this come around every once in a while, but uh, it's good to see it pop up in the new forms. Tuan Van de Belde, he asks what it, next endurance race should be added. And I, th- I guess they're talking about the, you know, the major marquee events. And most of them are covered, uh, but probably the most popular one on the few replies so far might be the 24 hour of lemons. And that's been done a lot unofficially. I don't know if it's ever been actually done officially. Well, they're talking the beat up lemons car is what they're talking about, right? Isn't it? Yeah, there's there's been 2.4 or 24 hour of lemons cars where they they just pick some of the older junkier slash uh, legacy cars, right, and throw them in there. I mean, so, so like a Jetta or the Kia kind of thing around those mm-hmm. for 24 hours. Yeah, I I grabbed this post because of what Ben Woods was saying. You know, now that we have a point-to-point racing like Mount Washington, what about the Baja 1000? What about the Dakar Rally? Do you know how long it would take take to scan one, one like the Baja 1000? I don't. How long is the actual track? A thousand uh, kilometers. No, it's 
it's not like because they do multiple laps do they not or is it actually a point to point is it a full point to point I thought they do sprint like in an area. They have areas where they loop again, don't they? They do have areas where they loop. Like like even on Dakar Rally, they have like one day you'll make a loop in a certain area, and the next day it'll be somewhere else. I'm wondering if this becomes a thing where you get like a rally stages where you have ten stages over a night or something like that, and they add the times together to create your who wins or something like that. If they get a whole bunch of point to points. Just think about how long it takes to load Le Mans. <laughs> You're going to need more than three minutes, right? Uh, well, Nuremberg's longer. Just ideas. We'll throw it out there. We'll stay on the uh, insurance lane and uh, talk about season four, Greg. Yeah, so I guess there's an appetite for adding. Or there's been some people talking about wanting a, a Friday night evening uh, one. So is this, David, this is the 24 hour series, is it not? That they're talking about here? Uh, no. And oh, with it being IMSA, it's going to be the more the GT one. It's going to be like, I think it's something along the lines of three or four hour. Um, but okay. what happened with the, the, in the current Enduro, you know, they did that to basically so they could run Le Mans. Um, but the last time slot goes, it starts on Sunday at nine. Um, this is there's the one the the two m two a.m. GMT time time slot, uh, just because it gets um it allows the, the Aussies to get a good start and it also starts on Friday nights for for Americans for for some of those so they can just go ahead and knock that out if they're not running an IS or something like that. Yeah. So what David's talking about there is Greg West posted, um, and he posted in the forum saying by popular demand we're adding a two. Uh, Greenwich, two o'clock Greenwich Mean Time slot for to cover Friday night evenings in the U.S. Uh, and to give the folks down under a time slot for the Saturday mornings. So this is that series that okay. So now what I'm gathering is this is that series that is going to replace the 24 hours one. It's the six yeah, hours, it's two point four hours or something. Team. Okay. There's going to be an IMSA one and a Euro Series one. The IMSA one is going to be a little bit. I think it's only going to be four hours, uh, whereas the Euro is going to be six hours. But they're they're coming up with both actually. Okay. I mean, this story is really about hey, they added an extra time slot to cover Friday night. Well, like the um, I've been running with some Aussies for the enduro races, and so they start the enduro enduro, or they start the Aussie time slot. So they're actually starting at two a.m. I guess my time Sunday morning or Saturday morning, and running into two a.m. Saturday Sunday, and it's been working out pretty well because. Uh, they they're all they all go to sleep while me and like one guy run the daytime hours. So let's keep going on the forum crawl. I got the next one. Lotus forty nine. Christian Challoner alluded to it earlier, but Greg West came out and said it for certain in the forums that the Lotus forty nine car is getting a pretty nice tire update with this build, and he's super excited for the community to get their hands on it. So they're going from wood to rubber. <laughs> This car, I, I don't own it, but I've tested it in the test drive thing, and it's fascinating. It's it's so um, simple in a, in a way. I, I, you, you it's know, like an engine with wheels, right? Yeah, basically, it's just a it's just a a cylinder and wheels sticking out of it. And my interpretation of the car is it goes really fast, has great acceleration, and it brakes fairly good, but it doesn't turn worth nothing. 
you, you pretty much have to go down to a corner and stop and then turn it and then go. You think of the tires that they had back in the day to run these, they would have to pretty much last either the race or, you know, without having a puncture or anything. So they would be pretty, pretty solid tires to, to get down the road. Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 it doesn't have a lot of downforce and it just makes it really tough to drive. It's high off the air, you know, it's high off the ground. I mean, so it it's, I remember, I don't know if you guys ever played the Grand Prix legends game, you know, back in the day, but, um, that car was diabolical to drive. It was so, so loose. Um, it was hard just to turn laps without crashing in that car. And, uh, we ran it last year and it, um, at majors and it wasn't so much loose as it was, it was tight on the, on the gas on the exit really bad. Who else is getting tires? Brian. Yeah. So Greg was, he also released information that the IR 18 is also actually in the middle of a road course tire overhaul. And that will be anticipated to make a release in September. So, uh, the IR 18, the, the new IndyCar, um, and it looks like it's just a road course, uh, tire overhaul. So, uh, it looks like that's to, uh, something to be looking forward to too. That would definitely, you know, benefit that car considering most of the people just run the the red compound and they believe it is and then when you go to the black compound it's so it's so much um it doesn't have very much grip i wonder if the two of them will be really even more comparable to what they race in real life because like i said everybody just runs the reds most of the time when you're in the indy car so not only are they uh confirmed they're working on a tire there um, but this thread was really about AI for the IndyCar, and I, I am going to read a quote from that part, too. It says, this is by far the most complex car we have worked on for AI. The multitude of systems, aero packages, tire packages um, lead to the extended development time. And that, leads, that leads me right into the next topic, which is that uh, they uh, they believe through footage captured footage that the indycar and the gts have ai on the way yeah well lion noticed on that sounds of iRacing racing video that we went over last week the one hour put you to sleep uh, video yeah it happens to be ai in those cars running uh, those laps i'm pretty sure did i did i racing actually put that video together yeah so i would guess that they can control at any time what they want the cars to do on the track. So if they want it to do, say, follow this line, they can make a video out of it really easily. I'm sure of it. Well, in that thread, Greg indicated that uh, they have uh, as staff access to AI that's a work in progress that hasn't been officially released. And so there is a version of IndyCar AI that, and, and obviously you can see it in this video. So is this like the clever, just a clever way of saying like, hey, look what's coming? Easter egg. I don't think they're that clever, are they? Well, remember how we didn't think something and then they did it with the uh, with just that logo on the car and then they brought something out. They, they sneak these little things in and then all of a sudden they're there, right? Yeah, that was the Mount Washington sticker on the uh, Formula V car. So I think it get, they get pretty creative, pretty sneaky sometimes. I like it. That's kind of that's neat. If they, if that if that was the case, if this is not just like a coincidence, um, and I just I'm just gonna sit here in my own little world thinking it's not a coincidence and this was all planned. 
and that's cool. Yeah, it's it's cool that somebody noticed. Um, and I think I was kind of thinking that in the back of my head as I watched the video. I was thinking, I mean, who's actually running these labs? Uh, did they get a group of people together? And well, now you're gonna have like a whole group of like iRacers just. All, all they're going to do is like analyze every little thing that iRacing puts out, looking for these little tidbits of, you know, uh, like looking into the future and and seeing what they, what they can mine out of all that. Haven't you ever met Twitter? Twitter does the same thing. <laughs> We're just iRacing, just the iRacing community going after the videos. Well, it's not too much different when they do the, you know, the Dale Jr. They hide him somewhere on a new track by everybody zips through and tries to find it there first. By the way, I've been looking for him at Mount Washington. I spent a good 15, 20 minutes flying around looking. I couldn't find it. Has he been confirmed on that track? Do you know? I haven't seen anybody say that they found him. Well, still, this, sorry, Tony. Every time that Mike brings up how much time he spent on Mount Washington, brings me to the fact that always when we go into a race, it's jump in and go. There's no practice time. Well, if you don't practice Mount Washington, you ain't got a chance. I think it's because it's not laps. You have to basically start over every time that it just fits right into his just show up and go, you know, pers That's personality. Right. Huh? It's not practice. It's racing. I'm sitting down and I'm running up the hill. Well, one place you probably can't do that is Bathurst, right? One of the best hills to go up and then right back down on the other side. So... Uh, iRacing has been uh, or has posted out that their uh, the next big event here uh, is going to be the Bathurst 1000 uh, at Mount Panorama coming up in uh, September here on the 17th through 19th weekend. Um, David, that means you got to be ready to uh, be a second driver again this year. <laughs> Man, middle of March season, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe I should ask one of your Aussie friends. Oi, oi. <laughs> Anyways, so they have time slots. There's four time slots. Uh, Saturday at 1 o'clock GMT. Uh, Saturday at 7 o'clock GMT. Saturday at 12 o'clock GMT. And then Saturday, Saturday at uh, 1600 GMT. So there's one Australian. One of them is dedicated to the Australian server. And then there's three U.S. servers. Um you only need a license D 4.0 for the road. Um, and the start time of the day, I guess, is going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning in the track time. So I, I look forward to this. If I can't get anybody to run with me, maybe I'll just try and do it by myself. Good luck. And uh, Ty is getting it done again, right, Brian? Yeah, man. So iRacing's favorite uh, late model driver, Ty Majeski, he uh, he took that iRacing sponsored late model back to Victory Lane. Um, this time he was at the Hawkeye Downs in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, on a race last Friday night. So Ty Majeski getting it done. Uh, you know, he's just he's just a maniac in those late models. Well done. Love to see those iRacing colors in Victory Lane. I think uh, they're getting a good value with that sponsorship with him. Next up is a video by Erman Hamadovic. And uh, I found him because he did a, a review of the CSL DD wheel. But, uh, and so I was subscribed and then I found this other video. Well, it turns out this guy's not an iRacer. He runs all the other sims. He's a heavy duty sim racer, but he doesn't do iRacing. 
Well, he borrowed somebody's account and he did iRacing for the first time. And he put up his YouTube video about his what he thought of it. And um, it, was, it, was, it was interesting to hear a different perspective. Uh, Greg, I think you heard this video. Yeah, and I don't, and I thought about it even, like I, I gave my opinion in, the, in our messenger there. I've watched the video and I felt like when he started off the video, he went in with an intention to not like it. So I did that askew his, his opinion on the video? Not sure, but it's probably no different than any of us going in and go say, Mike, if I tell you to go review or go play NASCAR 2021 and on your, on the PlayStation or something like that, you're going to have your own take on it. Right. So I don't blame him for that. It might be kind of like having Mike go in and do a review video on the, on the UI. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's a good action, a better one for him. I just, um, it's good to see it. Like I can't comment on how these other Sims feel. Um, I've focused on iRacing my whole career, so I don't know um, what the other ones are like. So he, he's probably totally right about what he feels and, and the difference. Um, um, it's a great video showing he, he at least tries a lot of different cars in it too, because I guess his buddy who had it um, tries a lot of cars. I think what he also said there was too, is he doesn't like the, the way that iRacing monetizes their, um, where you're buying everything, right? Like, I guess some of the other Sims, they're based off of mods too, right? Like there would be a mod community for it where we don't have a mod community on iRacing, right? Yeah. Hey, Greg, uh, I just wanted to add real quick, uh, because I watched this too, and I I wrote down his quote word for word, why he never tried it. Um, He said that he never tried it because of its aged engine and predatory monetization model. That was his exact quote. And uh, when I watched that, I was like, wow, this guy's coming in with some some serious bias. Um, But I'm glad he tried it, though. And uh, he did make some points. Um, that seemed pretty good. Um, uh, one, one of his criticisms was, uh, was he was very critical of the force feedback system. Um, now I've never raced with any other, um, sim, so I don't, I can't compare, uh, iRacing's force feedback to any other, um, any other sim. So I can't compare that. Um, you know, maybe he's right about that. I can't, I can't say that for sure, but I have heard that criticism before. And everything looks really yellow. It's got a yellow tint to it. And that was one of the very first things he said. And I think he even jokingly or mockingly uh, turned down the, you know, the contrast or whatever you do to make the yellow go away. Well, the problem was, is we've already gone over, like, I think there's already graphics settings to change out that part of it in the first place. So maybe the guy that he got is trying it for, well, I guess he's just trying the account from his own system, I guess then, right? He wouldn't be at his friend's house. He's just using the account. So he has to adjust it to himself. I don't know how that competes with any other SIM that's offered, but um, he didn't, the other thing too, he, the tire model was another thing with the way the, the it feels and, and what do they call it? I, I can't remember what he called the, the slide there. Um, I've never heard anybody refer to it, but it must be something in the roadside, um, for it. Uh, but he, it's just, I think the thing, you know, if, if we're all set on driving a SIM, it's hard to go somewhere else and, and, and give it an honest review that you don't compare it hundred percent to the SIM that you were part of. Right. 
I've purposely have stayed away from the other Sims. I mean, I'm kind of invested in this one and it's more than enough for what I'm, I'm trying to do. And I don't need to add, you know, these other titles in to what I'm doing anyway. So I haven't felt the need to go to another Sim. And, and another thing, if you're a NASCAR or oval type of racing, there's really nothing even close. I mean, this guy's comparisons are all with like R factor, um, you know, a set of course, cups, competition um so he's really he's really a road course guy which is fine but um so there's probably a little bit more competition on that side of the sim than there is in uh in what like a lot of us like to do which is you know stock car racing and oval racing um so uh that's one thing that i noticed about the video that it was like lacking in uh, comparison was uh to that type of racing um so Another thing that I, I noticed about the video that um, he he makes some good points um, and he doesn't kill kill eye racing. Um, I just I, th I think he under underplays how how much the community is involved in eye racing too. It's such a big part of this this uh, this sim. Um, he 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 did mention it to a point, but. I, I can't imagine other sims have quite the uh, quite the same community uh, setup that iRacing does. Good point. Now, looking they, at this too. Sorry, David. You, you can go ahead, David. I'll let you go first. Are I mean, we, there's some. We got great leagues going on, but at the same time, also, how many um, in any of the other race rooms? How many of them actually have some something? of a league effectively that has five or 600 members in it, right? Where you're able to run those, run those leagues kind of like in is, is effectively right. I don't think they have any of them have that kind of a community size. Do you think it's also easy for him to say them? Uh, what did you say? The mother, the, the aggressive monetization system, like what if you, what if you um, reviewed this say in 2010, instead of 2021 when the sim wasn't very big it wouldn't look like a huge undertaking depending on for the amount of money you would spend in it you have your membership fee for the year and you have the sim wouldn't have had as many tracks as it did but if you're starting for what 15 years into 12 to 15 years into iRacing yeah there's gonna you're gonna be way behind if you're starting from the beginning it does look aggressive but to someone to, to all of us how many of us have purchased 40, 50% of the content already in our career because of time over the time. Right. Um, yeah. He does slam iRacing pretty hard for, for the, for the uh, monetary part, but he's, he, some of the things he, he got are wrong. Cause he was saying, he had mentioned that referred to iRacing as like raking and a bunch of money early in its days. I was like, dude, this, from what, what we've talked, heard, iRacing really just started making profits like about a year ago. Right. They they have not been rolling in money. I mean, they've been collecting it, but they've been spending it faster than they've been collecting it for for almost its entire run. They were bankrolled um, for nine years. Right. So I, I I don't know if he he got that part right. Maybe he's not aware of it. That's fine. Um, but I I I I bet that iRacing spends more time on like uh, scanning a track and getting everything exactly right than any other sim out there. And that time is money. And that's why, you know, that's why these tracks are individually priced out like that. Um, so you're, you're paying a little extra for the extra 
um, the extra input that they put in, the extra attention to detail that they they add to the sim. And just all the continued support that every track does have until it's until it's rolled into a legacy track, right? Right. And saying that as an aged engine, this engine's getting updated all the time. This is not the same engine from you know ten years ago when it first started. It's constantly evolving, uh, and and that's that's something that I think he you know whereas another game just comes out with a new version or something with you know the newer graphics or whatever iRacing's just adding and evolving over time as opposed to just scrapping their old system or just you know just borrowing from it and redoing it from scratch i think i think the other problem is is yeah iRacing he's not wrong in the fact that it is an ancient system it's it, we're not going to argue that it's an ancient system but it's easy to call something an ancient system when it's been going on from 2008 to now, like you're saying, Brian, um, it's being updated all the time. When something comes out, say 2019, like it's, it, it's no different than a pair of clothes or shoes or anything like that. Like something, something newer, it might pretty much might, should be better, especially in technology parts. So the business model, I, I got to stick up for that too. I mean, Without the reoccurring charges that happen monthly, we wouldn't be in a position where there's, you know, a dozen or so developers, you know, constantly working on this product. And thank God they set it up that way because you wouldn't have the iRacing we have today if they didn't. Well, you wouldn't have them going and scanning Mount uh, Washington. They would just probably create it like any other video game off of pictures and stuff like that. Um, there wouldn't be the effort put in that's being put in for these. Right. And uh, we talked about like um, the new tree model that they started uh, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about um, that they added for Mount Washington. You know, that's going to be something that's going to be applied to newer, you know, tracks and rescans and everything else. An old track, that, probably. That are, are all part of the evolution of the sim. Who knows if they adopt a. A different graphics engine some somewhere down the road they, they're probably going to have to at some point but it i just like i said i it's great to have someone else's view that you know is in another sim area right like in another category and if he likes his other sims you know iRacing isn't for everybody we love it because it's we like racing it because it's it's for us and the other stuff might be for him. I'm just glad, you know, people give it a chance and try it at least. And it's lucky that he had a buddy that races it and enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and like I said, I think this guy is, a uh, you know, heavy into road racing. That's where his, uh, all of his experiences. And I think there's more competition in road racing games and Sims for iRacing than there is in other disciplines that, you know, that iRacing puts their dedication uh, to that you know, we we might enjoy that aren't road racing. Oh, I'm definitely a good video to go watch, and we had a great discussion on it as well. We're going to wrap that one up and move on to some shots, all right, or maybe screenshots. Uh, and speaking of road racing, the Hungora Ring, we got a few screenshots from iRacing on their Twitter account. I have trouble telling these apart, and I guess I, it's because I don't watch Formula One very much from the other tracks. Yeah, I think uh, you know a dedicated Formula One fan probably can pick this track out just from the few shots that are on here, but I couldn't. Well, the third one has this 
piece of art kind of thing that's you know obviously you know a unique to that track and we don't you would only see it there so yeah if you knew the track you'd, you'd be like oh yeah i'm sure the stands are probably more recognizable as well yeah they have they have certain a different type of overhangs on a lot of these different tracks um you'll notice from it but uh i don't you know i'm an f1 fan but not even to that extent i i don't think i could pick this track specifically hungary hunger rings not really you know one that visually on my eye from these angles i could have picked it out now this one's got me excited yeah so uh david tucker um announced in the forums that next season you will be able to con- to uh, uh hit control z anytime when you're out in the car when you're out of the car and use the mouse to move around the world. Um, so normally you used to be able to do this with the camera mode up, but now it sounds like they've taken that step out of it and you can just do it at any point um, to just scroll around and, and, you know, in race check, uh, you know, you can go around the track, you can sit at a corner and watch cars come through it type thing. Um, it's a great, camera i call it when i when you go in control z mode i always can i always consider it uh the drone mode is what i always think it as um but they're also adding uh the uh the center buttons of the mouse uh will control strafing and scroll wheel will change elevation so that's something that you don't get in the camera view so it's i think this will bring a lot more immersion to it especially if you're in vr uh with where you can put the cameras and stuff uh, for people that do use VR, but even, you know, just to see things on the track, if you want to see how someone's going through a corner or what, I don't know. I think it's, it's exciting. Like you said, though, Mike, I think it's cool. I mean, you get jump out of the car, you can immediately, you know, control Z and move the camera around with the mouse, you know, without the control F12 and pick a camera and all that. I wonder if they're using control Z or if you can map them like you do in the camera mode, maybe there's a different, Maybe you can do it with a, a different button, say on a button box or something. No, I use a trackball, not a mouse, and it actually doesn't have a scroll wheel. So I wonder how I can do elevation change without a scroll wheel. Probably can't. All right, the next one, uh, this was a neat article put out by CNET.com, and it's a uh, an article where they basically interviewed uh, founder Dave Kamer, uh, CEO of iRacing, um, he sat down with them, uh, and it, it's a history lesson on iRacing. We've seen these before, but it does go into the history quite well. There are some quotes in here I want to uh, read out loud, though, that I thought were interesting. He said, quote, or he said, his thoughts on the comparison to other racing titles. Every race game manufacturer talks about how realistic they are, but from my biased perspective, I think that's all bullshit. <laughs> I love it. Is he? Yeah. He's a little blunt, right? Yeah, uh, you know, he he probably spends more time just taking apart tires and trying to make code out of a tire than most people spend, you know, doing anything else in their life. Yeah. Um, so he's probably other, pretty protective. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure. I bet you he's picked apart some of those other sims too. You know, you got to know your competition, right? Uh, the other one was, uh, he said, most racing games, uh, Camber mentioned in the article, created a fantasy aesthetic where you, the player, are really, really good at driving, even if you're not. 
he says, quote, the reality is if you get a Ferrari and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to crash it very quickly. And then at the end of the article, um, it said this. He said, Kamer isn't dishing details, but says iRacing's long-awaited rain model is nearing completion and that there's much more to come. Quote, I've been in an R&D phase now for a while. I've got a pretty big set of changes that I'd like to make that I think will make good improvements. So this is the topic of the day in our chat. What is he referring to uh, that he's working on a big set of changes? Snow tires and snow. <laughs> Net code improvements. Oh, David, come on. That's just from last night. Tony said <laughs> damage model, I recall, for the cup car, but I don't think that's it. Maybe the protest system. How about somebody else said new tire model? I think Bobby said new tire model. Yeah, I wonder. Like Tony or uh, Bobby was making some interesting points about how the he he's right. We we're, were running the same tire type on almost every track. Do they start changing compounds for a road tire to a short track tire to a one point five tire to a superway speedway tire? Well. What he was talking about more specifically is they run a different compound for each wheel. Uh, he was pointing out that there's actually a different tire number for each for the right front wheel versus the left front wheel on in the actual cars. Um, I don't know if iRacing does that or not, or if they have one tire for all four wheels. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be a game changer. Maybe they're going to have to make sure the lug nuts are tight. Maybe that's what they're adding so you don't get DQ'd at the end of the race. Throw your crew chief out. I really like the part where he says that um, that uh, that's most racing games create a fantasy fantasy aesthetic where you, the player, are really, really good at driving, even if you're not. That's That goes to the very core of iRacing's, um, you know, their, how difficult the cars are to drive, you know, because you can get very frustrated really early in iRacing because they, they're they not easy to drive. Um, and, uh, you know, it's that's how it really is. And if you if you just hop into the game for the first time and you're really, really good at it, then um, it's not really it's not really realistic. Unless it's the next gen car. How many that's times true. how many times have you, you know, I had a friend come over and be like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, hey, you want to jump in, try it out? And the first thing they do is spin it out. Like, this first thing, like, I don't think I've had anybody, uh, you know, actually go straight for, you know, more than 50 feet on the first try. I'll always load them up on, on the centripetal circuit just so that they can literally just, you know, drive around in circles in a parking lot, basically, because otherwise it's it is pretty rough. My wife's nephew said, oh, anybody can drive around in circles. So I, so I threw him at Atlanta with a setup in and I told him to go around Atlanta. And yeah, he, he barely got off pit road with it, without it going sideways. Like it's, they do offer, the one thing with iRacing is there's minimal assists. So basically you do get a, a little bit of assist to help you, but it's nothing, you know, when you get out in the real, you know, when you're out racing, you're racing, and you're on sim, or in, if you go into the real world and get in your car, you're learning. You, you know, at 16 years old, when you learn to drive, you know, it still hurts when you run into things. So, and you don't have things that you know have bumpers around or uh, foam pads around your car, so you don't crash it. So that's real. This is real. I mean, he's right though. Like games like Grand Turismo and stuff like that, you would 
you can just turn on settings to help you assist in steering or braking. This just doesn't have that. Well, you don't even have to put it to a race car. I mean, you jump into any other vehicle, any vehicle, it doesn't matter what it is. And it, it's going to take you that little bit of time to kind of acclimate yourself, get used to the vehicle, how it moves and you know, how it reacts to, to your inputs. So, uh, so like in a month from now, I'm, we're having like a big cookout at my house. And a lot of people are coming up and a lot of people are going to be trying out my sim, I'm sure for the first time. And, uh, I expect to see a lot of crashing. Um, but it, it should be really interesting to see how, how, how people who have never done this before, you know, get on for the first time and see how difficult, difficult it can be. Yeah. I, I think about, you know, playing a PlayStation racing game on with a controller and David's gamer's right. I mean, you don't really wreck. And the way those games play out, you know, you're driving through a street, you know, you're driving through a city and you're turning left and right. And it's pretty easy. Like most people can do it. But yeah, iRacing's like different. If I can go back real quick to that one video we watched with the guy who tried iRacing for the first time. Um, one of the criticisms he had of some one of some of the other games he's tried is you were able to get away with stuff in those games that you could not get away with in iRacing. You would crash without a doubt. And uh, and in those those uh, sims, you were able to pull off some 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 crazy maneuvers that were just don't work. When, what are you talking about? Like the rubber band on the analog stick for uh, Gran Turismo to get around the uh, the high speed course, and you can just <laughs> run for twenty four hours in the middle of the night. We'll let it keep going. Exactly. Neat, tar- neat, definitely neat topic. We're going to roll on to some quick release notes for the iRacing UI. Pretty uh, simple. They made some changes for the time attack. And if you're suspended from time attack, what? In the tarnation, do you do to get suspended from time attack? Um, uh, then there was a, a fix with the crash in the heat racing with some numbers, and they added something where um, the they added a note that indicates the applicable uh, times that are applied in hosting hosting sessions at time of purchase Tax. taxes. I guess. All right. Yeah, I was the don't have my readers on, and we have a sponsor. Yeah, guys. So, um, Force Dynamics is sponsoring the Delara iRacing Grand Prix Championship. So, uh, this is the uh, this is going to mark the return of Open Wheel World Championship Series back to iRacing. So, this is the competitors are they're going to be driving the IR01 car. Uh, it's a twenty five thousand dollar prize pool for that series. I know we've talked a little bit about it, but it's getting close to coming to fruition. Um, uh, looks like uh, the 16th of September will be the first week at Watkins Glen. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I'm really excited to watch these open wheel races on iRacing. Um, the, the, Porsche, the Porsche Tag Heuer series is excellent to watch, and I imagine I'll probably see some familiar names in this series. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing this coming up in a few more weeks. And uh, it's really good to have an, a world championship for open world, open wheel racing. It feels like everything's right in the world again, right? Yeah, it's that's. I mean, open wheel racing is the pinnacle of real world, you know, racing with F one. Obviously, uh, i racing doesn't have a you know a real F one car. They've made their best uh, best attempt at recreating one in, in in a different type of way, but it's the fastest car on the, on the service and uh, it's, it deserves its own world championship. 
It's interesting that a company that has a very high high end uh, motion rig is sponsoring the you know this series. You know they have a high end rig, and then they got this uh, you know high end car. I guess we can call it Mike's jet car. It, there is some information here about the company. It says, founded in 2005, Force Dynamics designs and manufactures high-performance motion systems such as racing and flight simulators, as well as custom motion platforms located in the Finger Lakes regions of upstate New York. Just minutes from Watkins Glen, the company has shipped more than 140 motion systems to customers from around the world. Force Dynamics 401CR Motion system is unique in the marketplace and providing accurate, consistent G-loading and full one-to-one yaw capability. Pretty cool. We've talked about this process, this uh, motion rig before, dude, and this one is the bomb. So this IRO one car, um, we were talking earlier about the Lotus 49, you know, how it's just an engine with wheels sticking out. This car, to me, seems more like a, a realistic future for that car than the present f1 cars where technology has just gone uh you know just through the roof you know the iro1 car is not nearly as technically advanced as a formula one car so it's almost to me it's it's more of a more of a real type of uh evolution of that lotus typo grand prix car than the f1 cars are now i i don't see f1 ever going regressing they're going to keep using they're just going to keep throwing the technology at it as much as they can yeah that motor you're never gonna you're never gonna see a v8 a v10 or v12 in in, in an f1 car again it's it's gonna always have you a hybrid i wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a fully electric electric years down the road i know yeah, they already they- have a series they have taken away some things that put it back in the driver's hands though they had they got rid of some of the traction control options that used to be out there yeah, well, they used to have full traction control. They, you know, they had a brain. They had, what was it, back in the Williams, back in the day, had active suspension and stuff like that where it would keep the car level going over a bump. Like, that's how quick it would do it. So um, I just think that this car is, an, is a great sim racing brainchild. I don't think it's anything more than that probably will ever be because of what Delara is as a company. They're... I can't see them in branching out and building their own series from it. All right. We got two new tracks announced. It feels like we, uh, feels like these things are, are being, I'm told uh, I'm the only one that knows how to uh, run the V8 car. So I get all the V8 car topics. Um, it looks like the Aussies are going to get uh, some new tracks for the V8 supercars. Um, so the supercar series Twitter page, um, tweeted out that iRacing will be bringing Sundown International Raceway, uh, a circuit that's 1.9-mile road course in the the suburb of Spring Valley in Melbourne, uh, and Victoria and Winston Motor Raceway, a 1.85-mile track in Winston, Australia. I'm not familiar with either of these tracks from hearsay name-wise. I'm sure if I visually saw them, um, I could tell you what they are, um, but it's good to see that they're going to have more, more done, you know, more road course tracks for these cars to run a proper series too. Yeah. So that will join uh, Mount Panorama, Phillip Island and Oran Park to uh, make five road courses for them. 
Um, this also is an announcement comes right ahead of the 2021 Cash Converters e Supercar E-Series, which begins this la uh, yesterday, Wednesday. The six-race series is based on the popular iRacing platform, features 26,500 prize pool for the pro gamer portion of the championship, 10,000 awarded to the series victor. And I, I wish I could race more of the, these cars. These cars are fun to drive. It just it's hard to find full servers to run them. The Australia one, I'm sure, is pretty full all the time, but the U.S. stuff, I'm not sure as much. Yeah, and, and their you splits would... are probably in the middle of the night for us. Well, some of them, but with the best time you want to catch the Aussies is is late your time, late late in the evening. They're they're all getting up. I think Australia represents iRacing pretty well. I always run into Australian drivers and in, uh, even in just open races and stuff. If you run late night, uh, even in the even in the NASCAR tracks, there's quite a few of them on there. I think the thing that's been holding back the Supercar Series too for their tracks is a lot of them are street circuits, so they're converted areas that would be, you know, it'd be like Long Beach, right? So it would be hard for iRacing to get down there and scan it. And who knows with probably with what Australia has been going through, I'm sure both of these, they were never scanned. They're probably given blueprints to get them because there's no way they got over there to, to get these, these tracks. All right. A couple of quick hit reminders here. Uh, we have the operation motorsport benefit four hours of the Glen uh, coming up on September 12th. Um, this is a great benefit. Uh, I, I interacted with some of these guys on social media last week, and they were ecstatic that we talked about uh, their event on the show, try to get the word out. They're trying to fill the room and, uh, and obviously raise some money uh, for the Operation Motorsports, which gives uh, sim racing gear to veterans, military veterans, to help them uh, get involved in racing. You can go to madsimracing.com to sign up for registration. Brian, uh, what about the other one? Yeah, this next one is the eight-hour IMSA race at Daytona. Um, that's going to be held on September eighth, eighteenth. I'm sorry, eighteenth at Daytona to benefit the local autism organization. Uh, practices are going to start at one o'clock. Two o'clock is uh, qualifying, and two ten will be the officials' race start. And you can find that in the forums. There's a link on our website. Podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget the aftermath. Uh, Tony, give us a preview a preview boy oh boy if i only knew um <laughs> yeah so we'll, well we'll be going this weekend and uh we're, we're gonna be hammering on on fantasy um that's that's gonna be a big one um looking like all three of us could be racing tomorrow night if honda doesn't get their parts chris will be joining us so kind of hoping honda don't get their parts uh that's been a while so um we should have a lot of racing to talk about all right, very good. Don't forget the new website, iRacersLounge.com. And we over we are over on the Performance Motorsports Network. Check that out. And let's talk a little bit of fantasy. What do you got, Tony? Well, well, well. Um, we got one race left of the regular season. And uh, I'm looking at the the stats here, um, and things are things are pretty tight. Like the um, it's looking like Res Dog has it, though. I gotta be honest with you. He's He's got himself, you know, it's, it's over a hundred point lead. So um, really, unless he's like used up everybody and, you know, all he has is like a bunch of Quinn Huffs in his uh, back pocket. 
Um, it looks like he's got it, but um, just in time and myself, we got a, we're, we're really, really close for a second place battle. So, um, and Greg, you're the only other teammate that's in the top 10. Like everybody else. Up I, I lost oh. positions. I really screwed up on the weekend. What, did you just miss on the picks or? I was at the beach and I I was like, oh, I'll be fine if I just leave my five in from the week before. It was fine, but I didn't put anything for the, the other stats. I forgot there was a second page. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I only got the points for the, the people I had. I never got a winner, manufacturer, none of that stuff. Yeah, those those points are, are, are so key. I was able to score a few of those last weekend. Yeah, Tony, uh, you actually won Michigan. Um by a pretty good amount, 12 point lead, 12 point win at Michigan. Yeah. Well, I, I was holding back a few guys. Um, you know, w- when you get to the end of the regular season, you don't want to have like any of your top players. Like you don't want anything left for Daytona. Right. Like, and you know, I still, I'm still going to leave like two chase Elliott's on the table, one chase Elliott on the table. Um, I miscalculated. So, you know, I lost out on points there for sure. Um, but uh yeah it worked out in my favor for michigan but man like i've taken a lot of beatings this year um i was just way off the mark and then i started to find my stride about you know about the halfway mark is where i really started to um kind of figure things out and it looked like you know the rest of the guys on the track were kind of settling themselves out and kind of figuring things and larson well he just wins everything little bastard but good stuff like it's been a good season Anybody anybody nervous going into Daytona here thinking Matt D. Benedetto, uh, both the three car, the eight car for RCR, um, Ricky Stanhouse. Like these guys, it's not gonna I don't think it's gonna come down to the conventional guys. I think there might be a dark horse here that pulls one off and and takes this because of it. You're really sticking it out on a limb there. It's plate race. Well, I get that, but normally the plate races have gone to, if you look at the the history in the last couple of years, besides McDowell, it is, has been guys that were in the chase already. Well, I mean, yeah, you, so you like all those names that you just said, Greg, they're extremely, extremely hungry. Like you've got Reddick and, um, and Dylan, like right on a bubble, right on a cusp. Matt Benedetto, he's, you know, once again, it almost seems to be a yearly thing, but he's racing for his career. He needs that win. Um, Ricky Stenhouse, uh, you know, it's been a while. Like, you know he's going to be super aggressive. All these guys are going to be crazy aggressive. How is that going to play out? How is that going to work? You know, everybody's got those guys in their hands. Like, now's the time to play that because you should be out of everything else. But, um, you know, like, it's you might as well like take this right to Vegas, throw the dice because you, you just don't know. But I get, you know, that's what I love that they put Daytona as uh, the, the regular season finale just for this, because you just go into it with so much anticipation of the unknown. There's even unknown unknowns. And they're great. They're great. Unless it doesn't fall in your favor and then you kick and scream and move on. <laughs> Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's kick off hardware with an Alex Palouse custom FPE. Um, it's 
from Gomez Industries, and it's just a, it's a beautiful formula rim. Got all the knobs and buttons. Got a display. It it has a cute little Kiwi sticker in the middle. Uh, it's not wireless. You do have to plug it in, but uh, this is a nice looking F1 rim. Now, this is the one Jordan Spoon was telling us about that he bought. Um, but Alex Pillow got one. It's got like kind of a purple blue, uh, purple and blue. Uh, color scheme on the on the the buttons and stuff and and then he kind of highlights uh the background in purple and it really makes it pop this is actually a really really nice nice wheel aesthetically everything looks perfectly placed to button wise um for what you need and obviously if you're not racing in vr a nice little display screen to have everything for it i think you can't go wrong with this. This, the, he, you know, when we were talking about it earlier, I was trying to put an image to it. Now that I saw it here, uh, definitely uh, a great choice if, if you're going to go and get one. And it, I would, I'd actually really want to look at this stream now at how he builds them. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out too. A great wheel. I mean, this is, uh, I always thought the cube control was the one to get. And this one is definitely uh, making a run at that top choice for a wheel. So Larry's got him another video out, Greg. Yeah, so we go from talking about a wheel that somebody builds on a stream, we can go watch somebody on a YouTube video take apart a system to, as they review it, Barry, what Barry's known for. But uh, Barry reviews the uh, SimMagic Mini direct drive um, wheel here, and I haven't got a chance to go through all this. Uh, Mike, have you looked at this um, yeah. video for this? Yeah, what I mean, thought he, he liked it. Uh, he thought it was good. I mean, overall, um, I thought, you know, the review went well um, when he took it apart, um, went through all the, you know, how it was built and is it built in a nice manner and so forth. Lots of good things. Uh, n nothing bad was said. Let's just say it that way. Every time I watch his videos, I get more and more jealous of how lucky he is to get to be able to do a lot of this stuff from what he's done with his brand to be able to uh to review this stuff now it it's for sale over here at simfi-solutions.com i found a sim magic alpha mini with the wheel a gt1r wheel 950 dollars package not too bad um i still think the csl dd is probably a better value though are you are you sure about that though mike is this no. is this this push is a little extra uh it's got a little extra torque to it this one sits around 10 newton meters that's true so you're getting a little bit more power and it seems to be pretty on par like price wise because this one comes with the wheel the other one don't um i, I know uh, i know i don't know about you guys but um seeing some of these other uh direct drive options um, and I'm looking at it here, this plat the platform, it's PC only. Do you think, I know a lot of you guys don't use console-based racing games, but do you think sometimes the Fanatec, because they have that option, even with their direct drive, I mean, it does look like a better option at a price if you got both your Xbox and PlayStation involved with the PC part of it. Like, it, it does offer a little bit more just on that part, and this is strictly PC, but, you know, it depends on you know when you research and buy wheels you know you're probably thinking of that when you're doing it but i just think of at the price and stuff if you look the difference you know you got a good a good choice of wheels there depending on what you're looking for 
All right, pretty cool. Brian, we have a button box. Yeah, this this one comes to us from U House Racing Designs. It's uh, starting to take pre-orders for their YRD button box. Uh, it's plug and play, equipped with a cover switch, two on and off switches, six programmable buttons, and three tune dials, two toggle switches, and a fully functioning brake bias knob. So uh, if you were interested in pre-ordering it, you have to send them a PPM, a private message on their uh, Facebook page. And they're taking, they're asking for a $50 deposit to place your order, which will be applied to the final cost of $130. Um, and they're also thinking it's going to be about 10 to $15 to ship it out. Not a bad looking box. It's not uh, like crazy expensive and uh, give you a good bit of options. I like the toggle switches for, you know, for uh, your uh, ignition and all that stuff. That's always fun. It's nice and compact um, and you can, Hopefully you can use that brake bias knob any way you want, right? Just through programming, because you you never know exactly what you're going to need each button to do. For example, my pedals in my overwheel run actually control my brake bias, but uh, there's definitely got a lot of good options all right there. And even for like a VR user, it's it would be easy to find all of those buttons. Anybody that was listening there when David said it, he meant his paddles, not his pedals. Paddles, pedals, tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> pedals are where your feet are. Paddles are behind the steering wheel. So this is uh, Brandon Uhouse, right? The painter? Yep, that's right. Painter. And uh, he, was a, he was a teammate a little while back. Um, <laughs> Frequent co-host of, uh, of the uh, Aftermath. Yeah, yeah, we do have him <laughs> on. He's, he's come on and sponsored us a bit and done a bunch of paints for us. And, you know, like I've said on the, on the Aftermath, he is... He's solid. He's a solid guy. Um, and you can, you can see that for yourself. You just go to his Facebook page and see how he interacts with everybody. Um, I, I've not seen anybody say a bad word for him. So if he's putting this out, um, you know, he, he's put his research into it and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get a, you're going to get yourself a solid, solid piece of equipment there. My my only uh, issue is nothing wrong with the unit, but I wish they would show you how these can be mounted. Um, you never, sometimes you just don't see how these get mounted. That's can be very important whether it's something that's going to work for you or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, yeah. That, why, that, why don't that, they do that? That doesn't show up on I don't remember seeing that on any button box that we've covered in a year or two or three. It, you're right. Because even the button box that I purchased, I had to take the face off, put, four holes in it to go through to attach where I wanted to and yeah. I made my own way of attaching it. I'll correct myself. The one, the one, the DSD ones, they, they are basically designed to go directly on the base, right? Yeah. Or, or yeah. your wheelbase. Correct. This next one has a lot of, uh, options you, that you can actually see how to adjust. This is pretty handy. Um, it's the in Nagasa pedals and, um, they're from 3d wrap. And they're talking about in the post of some throttle and clutch, but this video or is actually on their brake pedal. Um, it's got some nice adjustments that can change the inclination as well as the throw and or the preload. And it shows you exactly what differences you can make on a load on this load cell pedal. How many companies offer a different angle besides mounting it differently? Like this one offers it. In an adjustment on it like that that's kind of interesting how they've done that 
Um, I mean, the ones I got, you you could adjust the angle because they were so upright. I wanted to get them to lean back, especially the throttle, just a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it's pretty handy to be able to move that angle because you can get them if you get it so high, you can almost feel like an invert. I mean, it's a it's definitely an interesting design there. I, um, it's the first we've ever seen something from this company, right? I don't remember this company. No, this is 3DWrap.it, and they do like. 3D printing kind of stuff, but man, they have a full-on pedal set. If you go to their website, ignition.3dwrap.it, you'll see them. I don't see a price, but uh, it's a pretty neat website. They talk about their product, uh, how it's built, what it's built with, um, what's included, the specs, and all kinds of different things. Not sure how to buy this. Oh, I guess I have to hit buy now. There we go. And 549 euros to 649 euros, depending on what you pick. So they look like a load cell type pedal. But boy, man, we used to have a lot end. of pedals to choose. Seems a little bit higher end. Is that just for the brake pedal? That, that's what the Instagram post says. Is this their, it's their new brake pedal? Yeah. 600 bucks for a brake pedal. No, I get the impression that that price is for all three. Oh, if that's the case, that's not so bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That just the post is just is just uh, showing off the brake pedal. Sorry. Yeah. So if that price point is a higher end uh, load cell pedal. And if you order now, orders will be shipped from August 18th on. It says so. Check them out. We're gonna jump around in the interest of time. I'm gonna jump ahead to well, I a rig to talk review. About Brian's dome. <laughs> We're going to do a rig review, and I'm glad Tony showed up for uh, this week for this one. It's way down on the list, uh, Tony, and it says rig review from Cuba. And if you were on social media this week, you might have seen the pictures of this. They posted in several Facebook groups. But, uh, boy, talk about some ingenuity from a, a third world country. I hate to say this, Mike, but I don't have a picture here. Yeah, it's uh, not showing up on the script. It's not. Oh, no. Well, it is showing for me, and so I will talk through it. Uh, basically, his steering wheel is like a uh, sewing, uh, uh, a round sewing circle, I guess you would call it. It's part of a sewing machine where the yarn would go around a, a round thing. So he's like taken that and, and turned it into a wheel. The base is literally a, uh, a box made out of wood. And I presume there's some kind of motor in it or something, but, uh, and then the, the gear shift, uh, amazingly, well, let me back up to the wheel. So the, the wheel, he turns it and it moves a, 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 a stick that is touching a Xbox controller that's in a wooden box. And so the stick touches the Xbox controller, which moves the, the steering wheel. And, uh, yeah, that's how he actually does it. Okay. So, I, I did see this in, in, I don't know if it was like one of the DO, DIY groups that I belong to, but um, it's very, very similar to that, uh, that, young, that young kid that made the, the Lego setup. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty wild. You can really jump down a rabbit hole with some of the, some of the crazy builds that these guys do. And, you know, it's, you got to figure it out. You know, if, if you, it's the passion. The passion shows through, right? You got the passion. You want to do this. You got to figure out how to make it work. And you, you only have certain, you know, certain means to be able to do it. 
Um, it's just crazy what these guys think of. Uh, if if you look throughout that um, that that group, there is um, a few different examples of um, you know they're very rudimentary, very uh, very um, crazy looking. But man, like it, it's just amazing the the engineering that these guys figure out with this stuff it's just so cool it is uh and you know the monitor he's got an old crt monitor from like you know 15 years ago and and uh the colors are all out you know it's it's like a monochrome kind of look and the man i mean if you if you want to race i guess you'll race uh that's pretty cool i i'm glad to see you know people have that ingenuity yeah, uh, and that, and that's how it that's how it happens. That's where you know that that's that's where it starts. And um, you know, as a guy you know progresses through things, who knows what he's going to come up with? He's going to find some like you know crazy way to do something that none of us has ever even thought of because he's he's had to kind of fight and scrape to to make make it work where we can just go and kind of buy whatever we want. So um, those guys just turn into geniuses, really. Okay, and Greg, you got this last one. It's timely because this is happening literally today. Where are we going back up to here? The uh, last story, the RTX restock at Best Buy. So you had put in the chat uh, earlier today that um, Best Buy has got a big, big restock with the uh, NVIDIA cards. Yeah, so this, this came across my a page that I have on that showed up on Google. I saw it and it, it was a day it was from yesterday, but it came for today. I guess they're all the best buys in, in the United States. were getting a, an influx of uh, GeForce RTX 30 cards uh, to be restocked for these stores. So obviously if you're listening to us now, it's today, the day that this, we're going to be releasing this podcast on, but maybe you can, maybe you've already got some or uh, are able to scoop one up tomorrow or something. And it's already sold out. I'm pretty Probably sure they're out. right. <laughs> Try to get it in a timely manner, but yeah, it probably went really quick, didn't it? Probably. And they were saying, like, get in line down at Best Buy now, you know, Thursday morning if you want one of these cards. All right, with that, we're going to head over to results. Let's uh, talk NASCAR iRacing series and uh, see what we got here. So let's finish up Michigan. I can't believe it, guys. P3. I started 17th. I worked my way up. I ran top five most of the night. Final stop, the two uh, leaders short pitted, and I stayed out just a couple extra laps, and that was it. Uh, That's all it took. Uh, they were four seconds ahead of me after the green flag stop uh, because they short pitted me and I couldn't catch them. And so I ended up third and I couldn't do anything about it. Um, but I felt good about it. I think I was in position to win. I felt like if I had pitted when they did, maybe I would have had something for them. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, Greg, I was kicking myself after that race because of that pit call. Um, you win some, you lose some. It's really hard to know where, you know, the, the pit, pit calls on tracks when you're close to fuel mileage is such a, it's such a hard thing to do, right? It was. All right. And David, P22 for you. Yeah, I was uh, going to be around a top 10 in the uh, in that top split, but wreck in front of me, nowhere to go. 
Okay. And Tony Rochette, P11. He said, from the real to the virtual Irish Hills and less time it took to complete this race. Conservative in the beginning on restarts kept getting checked up when guys don't know how to come out of the corner right. Was good on long run, but felt slow, was just tired. I was the, all by myself Sunday morning and uh, managed to salvage a P10 and keep uh, the decent uh, oval season I've been having going. So no, there wasn't much else to say. It just survived all the mess that time. And after my really nice P3, I was excited for Sunday fix, but I ended up P19. I had a good run going, but they stacked up on a restart, and like dominoes, I got crunched, both the front and the back. The car was just slow uh, from that point on, so it sucked. Brian, P15. Yeah, I was late getting into this race because I was having some headset issues. I couldn't hear anything, so I uh, wound up having to run the sound through my TV monitor. So that wasn't that great. But um, I was actually pretty fast, but I made a couple of mistakes where I got black flagged passing under yellow where people weren't catching up to the uh, field, which is always a bummer. Um, but I was like two laps down and I was racing at the back of the lead pack, you know, trying to keep that, keep, keep it from mixing up with those guys. And I think I had a little bit more for them if, if I wasn't, you know, two laps down to, to where I could, uh, I could have really, really done well if I didn't have those, uh, penalties. So, uh, finished P15, didn't get any incident points or anything like that. So that was, that was good at least. Okay. Tyler Williamson, P13, had a great run and felt comfortable during the race, was sideswiped, avoiding a crash on the backstretch, but managed to stay clean and pull out a 13. Uh, thank you to Mike for spotting at the end. Yeah, I jumped in and watched the end of his race. That was kind of fun. All right, and then Daytona. Here we are, guys. David, P7. Well, you heard a reference to it earlier. This is the worst case of net code I have ever seen. I posted it on iRacers Driving the World, and uh, they said it looked like one of those real-life wrecks where the tire gives out in the middle of the corner, right, and the car just shoots to the right. Um, I was sitting in a good place to contend for the win, running second, getting ready to make my move. Caution comes out, and it was a green-white checkered. So I start on the outside, get a decent start, and stay with the guy, and uh, we're all making the moves, and boom, net code right into the wall. Still held on for the P7, and, and decent points stay, but man, the, that, that net code, it, it, what was really notable about it, you know, a lot of net codes you think, uh, well, the guy might have been coming up, and you, it could have been we were going to hit anyway. They weren't coming up. They were holding their line, and it just decided we should hit. It really did look like you blew a tire. All right, uh, mine, I was embarrassed, to be honest. I wrecked out. I was actually running P5, uh, all lined up, just riding. We were all just in a row. Um, and then the second place car spun the first place car. And I got wiped out because of it. It was four months, four minutes damage. I couldn't even steer. I go back out just riding around, laps down, and I'm like falling asleep. Like it's so boring. And um, and I should have parked it. That was my mistake. But anyway, the leaders were coming by on the bottom. I was kind of in the middle. I guess I didn't leave enough room uh, and uh, I got tagged and there was a big wreck. And so there was a big wreck I basically caused um, and I felt kind of embarrassed and uh, hightailed it out of there. 
Tony Rochette, P24. In the wall early, never made it back up to recover. Bobby Jonas, P1. He says, thanks to Kyle for the pushing and spotting at the end. Congratulations, Bobby. Uh, that's his fifth season in a row. He's had a win in the NIS, even though he's part-time. Kyle Pendigraf was in the race. I don't have his result, though. And then he was Greg spotting, got or he came in right behind Bobby, one of the two. Was it? Yeah, they were in the same split. I think uh, Kyle got some damage from a wreck, and I don't think he was in contention there. I don't know if he he was there at the end, but I know he um, he was in his race. Uh, Greg, you had 14? He had the leaders. I guess this is a the problem with this track, everybody's trying to save fuel to make it a one-stop race and everybody was really slow and people in the middle of the pack were getting pretty antsy and they kept pushing harder and harder and one of the guys pushed into the corner and wrecked most of the field early. And then when we finally got to pit stop time, um, I was still able to, with damage, was able to run up to 12th, but uh, I was coming down pit road and this guy that was, I don't know, probably, uh, eight, nine cars back, didn't even hit make pit road speed. He took out three of us coming into pit road. I had damage from that. I was getting back up to speed after we got going, came around and the, there was a train of eight cars that were faster. There was, so I let them by on the inside. I was out top, upside, uh, on the outside. And the last car, as he was coming by, missed the corner, ran in straight into me and destroyed the left side of my car. So I had I had, I had eight, eight X and one lap uh, for that track and never had a caution from it. But I, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. I, the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. You, you ran into me. I, I just don't get that. I don't know what happened. You didn't make the corner. It's, I don't know. And the guy on pit road was just, he didn't even say anything. It's just Daytona. Yep. Uh, Thursday Open, P11. I was actually running top five. Uh, the first stops, uh, I got rights only. Um, and, and it gave me the lead when I, the other people took four. And then after that, I led a bunch of laps um, at the leader. Um, the last run, it was a fuel mileage thing, like you were saying, we had to save fuel. But then later on in the run, we got to racing. And I actually made several tactical area errors on which lane to pick, really. I was just making mistake after mistake after mistake. I was just picking the wrong moves, making the wrong moves. Um, and uh, a little surprised by that. I, usually I make the right moves, but um, I, it, it was just weird. I was making the wrong ones. But I feel like I, I learned something for tomorrow night when we run. Uh, that's going to help me win that race. Um, so, and a little bit of redemption after uh, last night, you know, where I was embarrassed by causing wrecks, um, you know, to be out there leading laps and running up front and uh, to be in the mix, at least in the beginning, uh, I was, uh, you know, feeling pretty confident about that. It'd be interesting to see what we could do if, and uh, on Monday, if we can get like all six or seven of us just lined up and make the outside work. You're not supposed to give away our strategy. Whoops. Why? I well, can cut that. I can cut that out, but no, seriously. It doesn't work in NIS because like, they yeah. won't go with you. No, but you are seven Tafosi guys are going to end up in that race. There's only going to be like 30 cars in general. We should be able to dominate that race. 
You gotta work together. That's the trick. All right, Tony Rochette, he ran with me today. Uh, he got, he said, stupid goddamn lap cars going three wide and wrecked, and he was caught in it. And that's G A H for the for the spelling. Gaw. Okay, uh, let's move on to other official series. The twenty four hours of Silverstone. And finally, uh, just uh, I jumped in, you know, on that nine one nine just on a whim because I'm actually in the iRacers down under group for some reason. They needed a P one driver at some point. Uh, and this time they didn't have enough people to run a 919, but they were like, hey, you want to run Silverstone and jump in? And I was like, sure. So I ended up running like six cents. Uh, and we were leading after like four. By the time I got in, we had a three minute lead and just never looked back. One and took the win in the GTE class. Nice. We also got another win here listed B Open, Kyle, Pendigraph, Daytona. All I do is win. Started P3 and just hung out behind the leader. On lap 18, the caution came out. I took fuel and tires and just waited my time behind the leader, saving gas. Nine laps to go. I made my move for the lead when we came up on lap traffic. Held off the field for a P1, baby. Okay, let's talk fast track sim racing league. David P2. Yeah, uh, basically survival of the luckiest, right? A lot of cars ended up getting taken out on this one. This track had a lot of guys who were not used to being next to each other running you know in this package and uh, as a result some of the good drivers just got caught up in junk and I was lucky enough to not be one of them yeah so Joe Owen was wrecked Steve Lou Allen were wrecked Tony Rochette was wrecked Bobby Jonas blinked out and then Greg Hectish you were wrecked too twice was wrecked was wrecked twice I <laughs> And both the times, if you look at it, I'm the one uh, initiating the actual wreck, but it's not the fact that I had nowhere to go. And the first one, I guess, David, you said to me, don't be so honest next time. And I've learned my lesson because being honest put me back in the pack trying to get past everybody. And what did it do? It caused me to get in something else. Well, I said don't be honest because you, you took a blame probably when you shouldn't have. And Joe had a spotter, live spotter, who took a look at it and said it wasn't on you. I think I think the problem that I see, even if I, I get that we want to penalize in that league for, for incidents that happen on track and, and it worked, try and make it work that way. But I don't know. I, I you, you can, you're not going to tell a lot of the guys, these guys, they're wrong or right. Like even me, I'm not going to tell. You know, I'll tell you sometimes if I'm wrong or right. But I don't know. I just, I went, I left that race very disappointed. I don't, I don't know if you, anybody noticed that from me, but I was so disappointed in the fact that if we're running Daytona, if these guys can't run the big wide Michigan, what's going to happen at Daytona when it's tighter and you have to be on everybody? These guys, some of the some of the guys I felt were un, unaware of where their corners of their cars were. That's where I was kind of frustrated with. All right, I ran a P8. I started in the back, and I was up to seventh by the first stop. Now I was proud of that. I mean, got coming from I don't know thirtieth or whatever it was up to seventh by the time we we did our first stop. But I did run top five for a while. But on the long run, I just ran the tires off and I just faded. I mean, I was right there with David for the longest time. And then uh, as we as the tires wore, I mean, David just kept going and I just went backwards. It was crazy. 
All right. I did run the uh, Pacific Majors this weekend at, at Darlington, and it was not uh, it was not as caution festy as a lot of us were thinking it was going to be. In fact, I chose not to grid, and ended up being lapped because we went 50 laps right off the bat. Um, however, a caution did come out, and then that then they started happening. Uh, got a couple of, I, got, I did get the lucky dog, got back on the lead lap, and then we had another really good long run, and I was the last car on the lead lap in sixth place. Uh, you never got that lap back, right? No, no, that that caution put us, um, put me separated from most of the field because there were so many cars that were a lap down because uh, they were pitting, they were short pitting, they just couldn't run the tires for 60 laps. Um, but it bred a couple of cautions and then i was running p6 and a lap car got uh, got squirrely right in front of me at the same time that another lap car that happened to be on fresh tires was on the inside and i just i couldn't escape it and ding the nose up just a little uh enough to cause it to start overheating and it, and it had to run 40 laps before i could take tape off and at that point i could after that i couldn't get the lap back and came in 11th instead all right, it looks like we're wrapping up the OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. Congratulations to Tom Ogle. He wins the championship. The uh, congratulations to the final four and everyone from the finale at Daytona. Uh, so it was Tom Ogle winning the uh, championship. Josh Robinson finished second in points. Steve Thompson third and Dwayne MacArthur finished fourth. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com, the home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, and with that, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, let's see. Uh, got the got the Mountain Washington for the and uh, only rode it a couple of times so far. It's it's really fun, as as you know. Um, I'm looking forward to hitting some OBRL now that their season's going to be restarting shortly for the ARCA and the truck series. So I will be, uh, I'll be running those regular now that my schedule's a little bit less crazy and I'll be able to hit all those races. I won't miss more than multiple weeks on those. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, what I'm looking forward to right now. Can't wait to hit day, uh, Daytona this week and try to add some more wins to uh, team Tifosi. All right, well done. Uh, David Hall, final thoughts? Uh, not a whole lot going on this weekend. Uh, looking forward to actually resting a little. And then the next weekend, it looks like we're going to try that 24 hours of Daytona with the Euro cars. Um, the Aussies and me and Greg are going to team up and see what happens. All right, sounds like fun. Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, not much this week. I'm just looking forward to getting some more Daytonas in and hopefully can maintain an I rating and a safety rating by the end of this week so that we can go on to Darlington and have something intact for next week. Um, I do have some intentions to run the RSR at uh, Road America or, or Montreal, depending on where David wants to race this weekend, if he's around to um, run some races there. But other than that, um, just 
it's a slow weekend, I guess, for racing. All right, Tony Groves, final thoughts. Well, I wasn't uh, able to do any uh, NIS Michigan, but I did try to make a run with the old bastards at Michigan, and I got all prepared. I practiced. Um, we're practicing up there Saturday night, and, man, I, I was showing some speed. Uh, you know, the little practice race they had there, I was up there mixing it up at the front, um, which just never happens, uh, feeling really comfortable. And uh, Sunday morning comes around, and, bam, all of a sudden I start having headset issues. And it's just blacking out on me. Oh, no. So I play it safe, start from the rear, and I get about two laps in. And, and there again, and I, I, was, I was showing some speed. I don't think I could have been running at the – at the front, but you know, there's a solid chance I could have probably squeaked out a top 10 if I kept my nose clean and, and did all the things right. But yeah, headset blinked out and I'm pretty sure I know what the problem is, but, um, man, that's, that sucked. That sucked really badly. Cause yeah, it's, it's not too often. I feel quick with the OBRL. All right. I hope that gets sorted for you. Uh, my final thoughts, man, Daytona week. I'm supposed to be winning this week, and I sure want to. I have a couple wins this year. It's been a pretty bad year for me in NIS. Uh, I really want to win. And this is the best chance I have to get it besides Talladega. So uh, I looked pretty bad on Wednesday. I looked better today, but I got to clean up those moves. And I, I think I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night. I think I have something for them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, had a lot of fun with the mountain. I think I might have wore it out. Uh, I haven't touched it in several days. Maybe we'll pick that up again this weekend. We'll yeah, see. I think we should talk next week about it too. Week four. Yeah, let me see what I can come up with uh, so we can keep this going. I think regular segment might be in order. David, you need a. We need a soundbite for coming in for the mountain from Mike. She'll be coming around the mountain. You know that song. If I play the sound I want to play, we'll probably get the call from PETA. <laughs> All right, and with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.